Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the CollegeToPro.com NFL Draft Blast, the audio alternative for fans and NFL personnel to know NFL Draft prospects. Join host Bo Mashanti as he brings the next generation of tomorrow's NFL stars to you today. No more than the name. Welcome back to another edition of the C2P. I'm your show host, Bo Marshani. As always, we appreciate you stopping by Apple, iTunes, Spitchers, Spotify, just some opportunities to download and listen to our featured guests that we bring you as we close down this season and approach this 2021 NFL Draft. This time next week, Thursday night in Cleveland, things are going to be getting underway. And you know we bring you draft prospects. We always like to bring insiders in. And today we're going to be previewing the Houston Texans. And there's nobody better to talk to about Houston Texans football than none other than the NFL insider himself, Aaron Wilson. Aaron, welcome to the program. How's this afternoon treating you? Doing great. Thank you. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. I mean, you you are the pulse of the Houston Texans in terms of knowing what this team has done, knowing what they're going to do. So I just kind of like to get into their free agency and what you think they've done and how that's going to translate into what we might see on draft night. And technically, unless they make, you know, if they make some moves, we won't see the Texans until Friday night in the third round when they have that 67th pick overall. But with that said, what do you think of their thoughts on free agency and what they were able to do with newcomers, Nick Casario as the GM, David Cauley, and then Romeo Cornell returning as they kind of share that head coach, uh, you know, carousel? Right, yeah. They weren't looking for any real splashy moves. They had a limited amount of salary cap space, but Nick Casario was able to create $35 million in cap space by restructures with Brandon Cooks, Whitney Merciless, Shaq Lawson, and also – Laramie Tunsil, and he just continued to work on trying to have enough space to do over 40 transactions. So they signed 38 players to contracts, and they also cut a bunch of players like Zach Fulton, Darren Fells, and Brian Anger. And some of the bigger moves that they did were trading for Shaq Lawson and Marcus Cannon, and that was right on the precipice of free agency. And you know, Shaq's one I see them plugging in in their 4-3 that they're instituting, Lovey Smith's defense. Moving from a 3-4 to a 4-3, I see him being a starter and a solid pass rusher and run stopper opposite Charles Omenahu, who's back and heading into his third NFL season, I think is a potential breakout guy. And they'll need all the pass rusher and run stopping they can get because they cut J.J. Watt at his request, and he signed with the Arizona Cardinals. So replacing a three-time NFL defensive player of the year, even an older one, that's a big task. So a lot of what Nick Casario was doing was working on the defense. They have, obviously, the 30th-ranked defense last season. They were very poor. They had a lot of personnel issues, and so they've tried to add to the cornerback position. So they signed Terrence Mitchell, formerly of the Browns. They signed Tavier Thomas, mostly for special teams, and they get a slot corner in Desmond King. And almost everyone got a one- or two-year contract. One of the bigger deals was Cam Johnston, their new punter, and he got a three-year, $8 million deal. So there's a, kind of a theme of what they were doing which is sign guys that 
need an opportunity. So Mark Ingram, sign him. Sign Philip Lindsay. Try to improve the running game. It's a very poor running game. And then look at special teams. Andre Roberts made the Pro Bowl each of the past three seasons, and they give him a two-year deal, $6.7 million. So they get him. Other special teamers, guys besides Johnston, Cameron Gruger-Hill. Two new starting linebackers, Christian Kirksey and Kevin Pierre-Lewis, both under one-year deals. These are very expensive. A new starting center in Justin Britt, cheaper than Nick Martin, who didn't really live up to the contract. He wasn't an $11 million a year kind of guy. So there was a lot of money spent on trying to improve the special teams, trying to improve the pass rush. Jordan Jenkins, kind of an under-the-radar signing, but remember last year he played with a bad shoulder that was dislocated and then eventually had surgery. He tore his labrum. He'll be back by August, and Jordan had eight sacks two seasons ago. So very quietly, the pass rush is getting better. They, of course, their biggest signing is Tyrod Taylor because of Deshaun Watson's legal situation. They needed to have someone. So Tyrod, former Pro Bowler, played for David Culley in Buffalo, also played for quarterback's coach and passing game quarter, Pat Hamilton, with the Chargers. So you can kind of see the roster coming together. Guys like Chris Conley, another receiver, they're trying to add to the roster. And they're not done. I think they will continue to tweak the roster, look for a ton of roster moves. If you look at the pattern of the Patriots, they were always tinkering with the bottom of the roster and with the practice squad. It was literally a taxi squad under Bill Belichick and Nick Casario. And I would say this about Nick Casario. He is, as advertised, hard worker, very diligent, very good at contracts, good at relationships, getting these agents and players to work with him to create cap space. And I know that he was dealt a bad hand with the Sean Watson trade request and then the subsequent civil lawsuits that remain pending and have obviously complicated his NFL future. But, Bo, what I feel like you have there with Nick is a good football man, and you start with that and a positive coach and you know good you know, relationships between him and Lovey Smith and they're trying to build that with the players, it's like an expansion team. You're just getting started. You're, you're starting over, and you want it to be in your imprint. And that's what I've seen from Nick. Wonderful stuff. Once again, Aaron Wilson, NFL Insider, previewing this Houston Texans 2021 NFL Draft, and he was sharing insight on what they did in free agency, some of the moves and how that's going to predicate what they do next Thursday when things get underway in Cleveland. You can also follow follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Wilson underscore NFL. Great follow, great information. Now you mentioned all these moves that they've done and you, and a Casario that, you know, that pedigree of the Patriot system and the way Belichick did it. Um, do you think Casario is going to try to do the best he can and following the, the footprint that Belichick made, or, or does he want to make a bigger impression and, and do it a little different? Or do you think he really wants to do the Belichick way and kind of do exactly what Bill did? Right. I think he's going to be his own man, and I've heard that privately and publicly, and I believe it. And I've talked to a lot of people. I did a large story on Nick about Nick's background, going back even to his quarterbacking days at John Carroll and the kind of person he is, how conscientious he is. He's got nicknames at New England Weight Room. They used to call him the machine. This is someone that is a feisty pickup basketball player around Foxborough, Mass., when he was living up there. He's someone that I would say he's a little different, and he wants to do it his way. And a lot of that means trusting the scouts, trusting the board, and not going off script. So if the board says, 
that someone is, say, the 67th best player, then he would do that, and he would go with the board, even if he's got players at that position. And that reminds me a little bit of Baltimore, which I covered previously, the way the Ravens run things with Eric DaCosta and with Ozzie Newsom when he was general manager is to pick the best player. They once picked Todd Heap when Shannon Sharp was still on the roster because they were thinking ahead. And because the board said that, they got Ed Reed, even though they didn't really need a safety, because he was that good. And, it's you know, Jonathan Ogden, Ray Lewis, et cetera. But, yeah, if you look at the Patriots, I mean, one of the things that people have said, and this is a criticism of Bill Belichick, is that they've gotten away from the he would kind of go rogue, go off script. I've heard that from a lot of people in the industry. And so you know, those guys would build their board, the scouts, Nick Casario, the Dave Ziggler's, but then Bill, you know, obviously Bill's great, but he would do his thing. I think it's going to be something where it's a combination of Nick's hunches and instincts based on the information he has, the analytics, and all the information. I've heard they're going to have a lean draft board, Bo, meaning lean, you know, probably like 60 to 80 guys on this board that they'll have, and they'll, you know, it's pretty much finalized. You move chess pieces around, but you know where you grade guys at this point. What do you think about them? You've talked to everybody. You've got all the information, even in this limited atmosphere with no real combine and, you know, only a few guys that can go to pro days and all the uh, lack of information. So you got to trust the tape, and I think that's what they'll do. And I think he's got good people working for him, like James Lipford and Jack Easterby, and they'll do a good job with it. Their draft last year was really poor. Bill O'Brien's last draft. Yeah. Ross Blacklock and John Grenard. Jury's still out on these guys. Charlie John Heck. Reed. Yeah. Charlie Heck. Yeah, uh, Charlie yeah. uh, didn't look huh. good to me at all in training camp, and then he didn't embarrass himself. That's the best I could say. Like He, he, he held his own in, in a couple games he got in at the end of the year, but uh, not a good-looking draft class so far, but usually in three years. And you know because you study this and you do this so well. In three years, you know about a draft class. You don't know normally after one. You know after two. But right now, the early returns are not promising. Wonderful stuff. Now, when things get going, if we assume that they're going to stick with that third-round pick, 67th overall, and they have, a, what, a fourth, I think two fives. They inherited um, some sixes, I think, from New England, Miami, and the Saints. They have a seventh-round pick via the Bengals. But what do you think they do with that third pick? I and mean, when you look at this roster, Aaron, where would you go? Let's say you and Nick Casario, you guys are in that war room together. You guys are making the decisions. Where would you go with these, that first pick? Hence, the third pick and the third, you know, the 67th pick, I should say, but their first pick. I would draft the best available corner that's still there that has some size, speed, traits, and that has good character. And I would look at uh, some of these guys from Georgia. I was impressed that Eric Stokes ran so fast. Uh, you know, I know that you know, he could be more aggressive as a tackler. Didn't play the slot much after his freshman year, but he played very well against top flight competition. He has NFL level speed and quickness. I would look for a player like that that can <clears throat> project well into their defense and see if he fits with Lovey Smith and what they want to do. Um, I would be interested in interior defensive linemen. I think they need some guys to play there. There's actually a local guy named Marvin Wilson. And I think Marvin, I know that he was rated really highly before. He didn't have a great senior year. Some people wonder about his lower body. Is it strong enough? I think he's active. I think he'd be a good fit for a 4-3. 
And you know, so he's someone, he actually went to high school here at Episcopal High School. He's from Florida State. I think he's someone that's worth considering. But, you know, I don't think Asante Samuel will be around. At least I hope for Asante's sake that he's a, I think he's a second round pick. And I think most people have him graded there. But sometimes guys slide. And if, if he's around, I'd pounce on him. I'd even trade up to get him if he's somehow around in round three. But, you know, like I'm not saying that he will go in the third because I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a crystal ball like all of us don't. But, I would look for corners. I would look for defensive linemen. I would look for guards. I would think about, is there a guard I can get? Because I don't think they're solidified there at all. They cut Zach Fulton. Marcus Cannon's more of a tackle. And you could plug in, say, Justin McCray or hope that Lane Taylor coming off of his ACL, that he could help. Uh, But I really feel like, Bo, when you look at their situation, where they are, they could use help at almost any position. You know, what about quarterback? That's something that could be interesting. What about Kellen Mond? What about Kyle Trask? What about Davis Mills? And those guys will probably still be around, I believe, in the third round. So maybe if you know, they have one of those guys rated high, they could do that. They could look at quarterback, and then you got a situation where Tyrod Taylor is the bridge to the next quarterback, and you'll say, well, what about Deshaun Watson? You know, Deshaun obviously doesn't want to play here again. He's made that abundantly clear. He's put in his trade request. And he has, you know, legal issues that are, you know, serious and complicated and remain in flux and could, I think, sideline him this year um, because it could take a while for it to get worked out to where the NFL can then, if they're going to levy any discipline. So that kind of takes him out of the equation. So what do you have? You have Tyrod Taylor and Ryan Finley. You need the third quarterback. So I, I wouldn't put them out of the quarterback market. I wouldn't also rule out someone like that could still be there in the fourth round. You could have quarterbacks that you could pick. Um, and I think they should do that. And they should. And, and they could be there. And, and, and this, it's just a, it's an interesting – and, you know, Justin, you, you think that this team was, you know, on the precipice of beating the Chiefs two years ago, and, they, you know, and then they had the bad second half, and, well, you know, and then, the, you know, Kansas City goes on to win the Super Bowl, and, and how they ra- unraveled last year. When you look at what this team is right now, if you had the if you had that crystal ball, Aaron, where would you think this team can finish? Best case scenario, where this team could finish in the standings in 2021? You know, I think they're a team that probably wins. You know, best case between seven and nine, but more likely their arc is like between five and seven. And I think that's okay. kind of the, the, where they're at. Um, you know, they won four games last season with Deshaun Watson leading the NFL in passing, but the defense was that bad. I think with Lovey Smith, who's an experienced defense coordinator, and this is no offense to Anthony Weaver, uh, who's a great defensive line coach. You now he's the run game coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens where he played. But he was a rookie defensive coordinator with no personnel. And Bradley Roby got suspended. They would have won a couple more games. I believe they would have won the last game of the year if Roby's out there instead of Keon Cross and playing corner and, you know, not being able to defend against these bigger receivers. I think they could have won the Chicago game. Allen Robinson went off against Keon Cross in that game. So, yeah, you, you're missing someone that – is he a number one corner for most teams? No, but he's a very, very talented number two that they're paying $10 million a year to, and he's suspended for the first game of the season. So he'll be back for the other ones. And, yeah, I look at it and I think – that's their upside probably. But this is like the rebuild year. You set the culture. And what's the theme? Theme is, and they say this to me all the time, 
hungry, hardworking, a lot of cliches, but they mean it. I mean, they really, really mean it. And I know a fan they hear, well, man, that's where our, our hope is. It's just that we have a bunch of tough guys that are looking for a job and hoping that if they get do well on these one-year deals, then they get a contract. And, yeah, that's what I'm telling you. They're going to be off a competitive training camp. I did a depth chart for them the other day, and I definitely wrote it in pencil, not in ink, because it's going to be changed a lot. And, you know, I, I could go through like that stuff with anybody and say, well, I think this guy is going to, going to fit here. You don't know. You know, I think the four-man front for the D-line, I would go with Malik Collins, Ross Blacklock, Charles Amenahu, and Shaq Lawson, with Shaq putting his hand down in the dirt. And probably Whitney Mercil is backing him up and Jordan Jenkins and Demarcus Walker. So they got a bunch of guys that I think are capable of getting, say, you know, four or five sacks. They have that potential. Okay. Maybe a man whose potential is even a little higher if he beefed up his playing time stats because he only played about 50% of the snaps. So if he plays 90% of the snaps, maybe he's like seven or eight sacks. I think he's talented. I know he's working really hard. I've talked to Charles a lot. I talked to him yesterday. It's a good conversation. Uh, he's in Austin, Texas, doing a lot of training with a lot of other NFL players, and he's a former Longhorn, and uh, he's even doing Pilates and things like that. But he's he's getting after it. He's a athletic 290-pounder. He's tall. He's got some tools. He's got a few moves. And, you know, he's had some success so far. I think his upside is, is pretty good. Um, People ask me, well, who's a breakout guy? Omenahu on defense. On offense, you know, I don't know. I think uh, Brandon Cook showed me something last year, stepping in for DeAndre Hopkins, but we just don't know what the chemistry is going to be like with Tyrod and these new receivers, and they're starting from scratch. Uh, but I, I like, you know, some of the players on offense. I think, you know, Brandon Cooks, Jordan Akins, uh, Randall Cobb is, you know, solid, not that explosive, but he, he'll catch it. And Beryl Brown's a good combo tight end. And the, probably the best player on the team by far is Laramie Tunsil, their Pro Bowl left tackle. That's the star of this team. That's a little weird to say that. Who's the star? That's the guy that, you know, blocks. But he's the best guy they have by far. Excellent insight. Nobody does it better than today's guest, Aaron Wilson, as we do this Houston Texans NFL draft preview. And Justin has done a fabulous job. I mean, Aaron has done a fabulous job. And if you want to follow him again on Twitter, it's Aaron Wilson underscore NFL. Fabulous stuff. Now, Aaron, before we let you go, and you are the man about the Texans, I'm curious, when we look at J.J. Watt, and now he's off to Arizona, probably the finale of his career, um, was he an impactful leader? And if that was the case, who is the guy that replaces him, or is that leader already on the team? Right. Yeah, I would say that he was an impactful leader. He was someone that people respected and they wanted to live up to his standard. So they've lost a big leader in JJ. And I would say that it's to be determined who's going to be the defensive leader. There's some guys that I think they're going to have to maybe do things a little differently than their personality. I think Omenu has some leadership traits. I would say Zach Cunningham is going to be the best defensive player. You know, other than if you're talking about a guy on offense, well, Zach on defense, he leads the NFL in tackles. He's, there's a reason he makes so much money that he's under a big contract and he's that good. He's the third highest paid inside linebacker in the NFL. But Zach's personality, and again, this is a big thing. You have to be yourself. So if you're not a holler guy, you're a quiet guy, then maybe you're not going to be like that. I think Christian Kirksey has some leadership qualities. 
and he's someone that people will listen to, but he's new. So as far as returning guys on defense, in my opinion, who's going to be defensive captain is Justin Reed. And Justin's another one of the few good cornerstone players. Justin didn't have a great season last year, but he's got all the ability and he's got the high character. He played hurt. He was playing with a torn, uh, you know, labrum the year before. He had that repaired. This year he's playing with a thumb injury. He's a tough guy. That's why he won the Block Courage Award. So, yeah, to me, build around Justin, Eric Reed's little brother, not so little brother. He's a big, tough guy. And I'm actually going to see Justin at a charity event uh, this weekend and looking forward to seeing him and, and Whitney Merciless and some of the other guys. But, yeah, in my opinion, Justin, that's a guy. You could count on him on defense and on offense. No, Laramie's not really the outspoken leader type either. So, you know, I think we're looking at Brandon Cooks and – Tyrod Taylor as guys that they count on on offense. But the big thing about chemistry, it has to develop. And it's just like, you know, like kind of like soup. You let it stir. You know, it builds. It doesn't start off great. It gets better. They got to, you know, be in some fights together. They got to see, you know, what it's like, you know, when they're in the locker room. And these are things that even as a reporter, and I don't know if we're going to be in there this year because of, COVID and, and the rules, uh, even with vaccination, you might hear about it and we'll be asking about it and wondering who are the leaders, who are guys that they consider to be, you know, the players on the team that you lean on, but they're going to take the direction of the top from David Cully. And I can tell you this, David is a real positive, um, upbeat kind of person. He's not going to be probably yelling at these guys a ton. Uh, that's not his leadership style. So I'm talking to the John Harbaugh's and, the Ozzie Newsom's about David, David will set a tone of respect. And I think everyone will take their cues from him. Oh, Aaron, I tell you what, we're so grateful that you shared some of your time with us today. I know our audience, especially those loyal Houston Texans fans, what you're able to bring us in this short amount of time is definitely going to get them ready like no other as this 2021 draft gets set next week in Cleveland and with that said, man, we appreciate you. Anytime you want to come back, you always got a home here. You can join us anytime you want because your insight is second to none. And like I said, the detail that you went into, pow, man, boom, it was awesome. But with that said, man, we appreciate you stopping by. Thanks, Bo. Appreciate you having me. Look forward to more. Wonderful stuff. Once again, that is Aaron Wilson. He helped preview the 2021 Houston Texans and what he thinks they'll do draft night and you can also follow him at aaron wilson underscore nfl great follow great great insight this guy's been doing it a long time at a high level very dialed in and he knows he just he's got that gift and again i just give him that big follow as always we appreciate you joining us here on the c2p this has been a c2p exclusive
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.